Hi everyone, welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Aryan, your host for this episode. And I'm Ishwara. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to the Desi Crime YouTube channel and subscribe, hit the like button, do all the shenanigans that you have to do. We have season one out now. All the cases on our podcast that you loved, get ready to experience them in a whole new way. So go subscribe to the Desi Crime YouTube channel. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Priyanka and Arshpreet. Thank you for your contributions. They go a long way in helping the podcast out. In the Indian subcontinent that encompasses Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, and of course India, for crimes to occur is a reality people live with, and a reality people have come to terms with. Headlines of rape, honor killings, and murders are painted like graffiti on our daily newspapers, ever so common and meaningless. This normalization of violence is merely a coping mechanism to fend against the constant stress of worrying about your safety in a country of 1.4 billion people. Every now and then, one crime is what everyone can talk about, from conversations over the two-rupee tea at the roadside chaiwala to conversations over a sugar-infused, diabetes-inducing drink at Starbucks. One story cuts across caste, class, and creed. Everyone seemed to be talking about just one story. In 2021, that story was the Madhnapalli double murder, and 2022 just might have found its story as well. This is the story of what went down allegedly in a small apartment in Mehroli's Chhatrapur area. This is the story of Shraddha Walkar and Aftab Poonawala. Finally, I think after several months, we are recording in person, live from New York. I know I've almost forgotten what it felt like to record from the same space. Literally forgotten because nice. the editing is also getting yeah, kind of tougher exactly. now. But it's nice after a very, very long time. And why? What brings you to New York, Ashwarya? Our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel. Yes. And our first season is out now. It was four episodes long, and we are done with its release. And the next batch will release probably in January or February of New Year. But this is just to say, go to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. The next season is going to be your way anytime soon. We're so excited. We've already gotten so much love. There's a bunch of videos for you all to see and binge watch. So head over there. Okay, let's get started with today's case. Today's case begins with, believe it or not, a glimpse into my life. Ishwara, can I share a sliver of my morning routine? Believe me, it is tied directly to the case. Sure, it is, but I'm already loving how you're starting. Go for it. Well, to be frank, I'm sure there is overlap with your day as well, given our occupations are the same. Nevertheless, let me describe to you Monday morning of this week, November 14th. I wake up at around 6 a.m. I make my bed. I switch off the million alarms I've set on my phone. You know the just-in-case alarms you set. <laughs> my phone is on airplane mode and do not disturb. So I literally get no notifications. I make a cup of decaffeinated coffee. I chant. I meditate. And then by 6:45ish, I switch on the Wi-Fi on my phone. On a usual day, I am immediately inundated with corny texts from my mom. 
I then check my emails and Desi Crime's Insta page to find some positive message from our amazing listeners. But 14th November, this very Monday, was no usual day. I went about with the same routine. And when I turned on the Wi-Fi at 6 in the bloody morning, the first text I get from my mom, Aryan, have you seen this? And it's a link to a gruesome murder that occurred in Delhi, something about 35 chopped up pieces. And my family lives in Noida, so there's a proximity to the place of crime, naturally sowing interest in my family, I assumed. That was probably the first time in my life I wished my mum instead sent her tacky religious morning messages instead. Nonetheless, I thought it was a one-off case that caught my mum's attention. And so I opened my email to see what work I have lined up. There's an email from a very accomplished and lovely acquaintance who's in Bollywood, which reads, and I quote, in other news, do check it out, Aryan. And then it had a link to an article, the headline of which was Ashwarya, New Fridge, Agarbatti, and TV show Dexter in Sensational Delhi Murder. And that moment it hit me. Yeah, this is definitely not just a Noida Delhi thing. This person is in Mumbai and emailed me about it. Can you guess what I did next, Ashwarya? It's so funny, Aryan, that I can <laughs> guess with 99% certainty what your next move was. You checked the DMs on the Desi Crimes Instagram. Ashwarya, better than NDTV or India Today are our lovely listeners who keep us up to date <laughs> with the latest developments. And so you rightly said, I went to our DMs. And Ashwarya, I honestly don't remember the last time waking up to so many unread DM requests. More than 100. Our regular DMs were also stacked and it was literally the same same thing. A post from an Instagram page that read, Delhi Dexter caught. Our comments were filled with requests to cover this case. We were tagged in stories. Hell, we were even tagged in tweets. That, Ishwarya, is how I came across this case. What have you heard about it? Aryan, this case has been mentioned to me now by so many different people from completely different circles in my life. My friends, my cousins and my parents. It's all they can seem to be talking about. But also there is so much news about this case out there and so much of it is so contradictory. Some of it seems exaggerated and some of it is frankly so confusing that I don't think I have much of an idea of what's going on. I couldn't agree more with the confusing and contradictory nature that you identified. The media reporting does seem to be all over the place on this one. In fact, that is one of the reasons why we are covering this case today in the first place. Initially, we had a different episode releasing today, which sadly enough and funnily enough is based in Delhi as well. But you'll get to hear about that some other week. I chose this case instead for two reasons. Firstly, this Tuesday I made a reel about it for our Instagram at Desi Crime. In researching for that reel, I came across some dastardly claims and sheer fake news. I felt an urgent need to address this. Secondly, I see Desi Crime as more than just a true crime podcast. Our listeners, you guys, have a certain expectation of journalistic rigor from us. You trust us. And I felt we'll be doing the case a service by sharing the actual details instead of sensationalizing it. Sharing with you the things we know, the things we don't know, and the legal ramifications of all of this. Important to remember, this is an ongoing investigation. No one has been found guilty by the court as much as you might like to believe it. Alright Aryan, so amidst all of this ruckus that surrounds this case, all of this confusion and the so many many DMs, what happened in Delhi on May 18th of this year that spurred this insane public upheaval? To understand what happened in Delhi on May 18th and the many months that followed, we actually need to board a time-travelling airplane and go to Maharashtra and go back to 2019. 
This case begins in the town of Vasai, in the Palgar district of Maharashtra. Yes, this region falls within MMR, the Mumbai metropolitan region, but it's still a two-hour car ride away from the actual city of Mumbai. As opposed to what many believe, this case has very little to do with the Mumbai Mumbai. It does have a little to do with it, and I'll get to it, but for now, let's meet 24-year-old Shraddha Walker. She's a millennial Mumbaiker who works at a call center and lives in this town with her father, Vikas Walker. Vikas Walker is a simple middle-class businessman and he is separated from his wife. Basically, Shraddha grew up in a broken household with single parents, and this is a key detail. Now, in 2019, at the cusp of COVID infesting the world, Shraddha, like almost every other 24-year-old woman, was looking for love. Aren't we all? And whether you like it or not, a primary form of connecting with people and finding your mate in 2022 is via dating apps. Consequently, Shraddha too was active on online dating platforms. Her app of choice was Bumble. Ishwara, I've never been a user of dating apps, not the mainstream ones at least, but I've heard Bumble is a woman-friendly app or like a woman-first app. How does it work and how is it different from other apps? So in my experience, the app is exactly like Tinder. Two people swipe right on each other if they like each other. But after that, it's the woman's responsibility to initiate a conversation. She has 24 hours to do it and the ball's in her court, essentially. And let me just say this from the outset. I don't use them and I don't like them. I believe if not used correctly and intently, they can have negative consequences. But that does not mean by any fetch of the imagination that all of a sudden, traditional arranged marriages are the best. No, one incident doesn't demonize online dating, and we'll get to this later. Regardless, Shraddha was using Bumble, and in 2019, among her many matches, was this one guy that stood out to her. Something about him was charming and attractive, and Shraddha couldn't help but make the first move. This man was 25-year-old Aftab Amin Poonawala. Aftab was born and raised in Mumbai. His was a family of four, him, his younger brother Ahad, father Amin, and mother Munira Ben in Unique Park Housing Society in the Vasai suburb. He graduated from LS Raheja College in Mumbai and went on to receive professional training as a chef from five-star hotels. He elevated his culinary genius by refining his photography skills and becoming a food blogger. At the time he matched with Shraddha, Aftab was actively blogging about his food escapades on an Instagram page called Hungry Chokro. We have uploaded some of his posts on our Instagram at Desi Crime. He has, at the moment of this recording, 30,000 followers, so he was not doing too shabbily for himself. A cursory glance through his page reveals that he was being contracted to do photo shoots for food and beverage companies. Now, not soon after Shraddha and Aftab match, they start dating. In fact, within weeks of matching, they started working at the same call center. Many reports state that they used to work at the same place before dating, but that is untrue. As reported by Indian Express's crime writer Jignasa Sinha, they started working at the same call center after they matched on Bumble. Aran, isn't that a little too soon and a bit of a red flag for the relationship? Eshwara, it was weird to me from the outset. Why would you start working at the same place as someone you just started dating? Like, people hurry into a relationship by deciding to live in with each other too soon. But in their case, they rush their relationship by working with each other too soon. Something that is kind of unheard of. But for what it's worth, they quickly met the other criteria of a rushed relationship as well a haphazard decision to move in with each other. So both their families hailed from Vasai and they lived in Vasai West. The couple deliberately looked for houses in Vasai East so that they don't come across their own families. The newly in love couple hopped around from job to job and house to house. 
A primary reason for this was disapproval from their families. Let's call a spade a spade and call this what it is. It is an interfaith relationship between a Muslim man and a Hindu woman. If online dating and live-in relationships aren't controversial enough for these two, they hail from different religions which many Indians don't view as mutually compatible. And among the many Indians who believe this way, we have both Shraddha and Aftab's parents who disapproved of this relationship. In fact, Shraddha's dad was very clear to Shraddha about why he didn't want her to be with this man. A, because live-in as a concept is something he rebuked. In his opinion, only a sanctimonious marriage can bring a couple under the same roof. And his other reason was that he was a Muslim boy. Shraddha was a rebel, her appearance is testimony to it. Pierced lips, short hair, posting videos where she's smoking weed. Just, you know, vibes of a young person figuring life out, wanting freedom. But sometimes freedom comes at a cost. Not all the fledglings shoved out of the nest by the mother bird end up learning how to fly. Some fall to their deaths. Freedom is a responsibility. And it is tenacious when you fight for it over everything else. Shraddha did. She left her home in West Versailles, cut off communication with her family, and moved into a one-room flat at Kinney Complex in Nigon East in 2019. Yes, they moved in together the same year they matched on an app. They introduced themselves to the landlord of this apartment as a married couple. But since the society was a tad shady owing to its lack of formal registration, no police verification of their identity was done. If you're wondering why they introduced themselves as a married couple, well, it's because it's easier to get a place to stay that way rather than coming off as, you know, irresponsible young kids on the run from their family. Eshwarya, unfortunately, this tragedy is being used as a weapon against live-in relationships. Like Aftab and Shraddha, we are in our 20s as well, but we do have listeners who are mothers and fathers and I'm sure have a different opinion than us. What would you say to them? I would say to them that while in this specific case it perhaps seems a little early for this couple to move into a relationship, that has nothing to do with actual well thought out mm-hmm. living relationships by loving couples who've been together yeah. a while. If anything, parents should encourage their children to see what it's like to live with the person they're planning to spend the rest of their lives with. In the end, it's net aggregate happiness for everyone if the marriage doesn't end for reasons like they couldn't live with each other. To me, using this case as a touche against live-in relationships is like using a drowning in a pool as an argument against swimming ever again. Screw Michael Phelps, you know. Yes, the person who drowned in the water should have been more careful, but you can't blame the bloody water. Same with live-in. Kids and divorced moms, please don't rush into live-in. Just like you shouldn't rush into marriages, the problem is this couple rushed into whatever living arrangement they agreed upon. To me, the tragedy would have unfolded even if they ran away and got married, because the problem wasn't in the structure of their relationship, the problem was the very relationship. The problem was Aftab Amin Poonawala. Just to illustrate to you how unstable this couple was, just in the span of the three years together, the couple moved houses four times. The first was the apartment in Kinney Complex. Then the couple moved again in October 2020. They rented a 1BHK flat at Regal Apartment again in Versailles. Once again, Aftab introduced Shraddha as his wife to the landlord. And this was a registered society, so there was some amount of verification, but they got over that. Shraddha changed her job yet again and began working at a sports retail store. Just how unstable and crazy does this sound to you, Ashwarya? 
Aran, I don't know if this is two very unstable people coming together and then enabling each other's mm-hmm. instability, or if they've done this to each other, where their relationship yeah. and the nature of their union together was such that they've kind of created this incredibly unstable-sounding life. No, sure, it reeks of instability. But isn't there some old adage about how love conquers all? And so, what is a little instability in the face of love? <laughs> you might ask. Sure. Well. It's in 2020 after moving to the new apartment that the first signs of instability manifested into the relationship itself. The media got its hand on a medical report from 2020 from the Ozone Multi-Specialty Hospital. Naturally, I went digging and found a copy of the report myself. The report is dated 3rd of December 2020. The reason for admission is stated as acute severe backache with radiculopathy and the name of the patient Shraddha Vikas Walker. What follows is an audio of Godwin, one of Shraddha's close friend from an interview in India today. The last incident which happened way back in November 2020 is uh, when Shraddha had approached me when Aftab had tried to choke her to death and immediately when we came to know about the situation we had rushed her to the nearest police station which is Tulin's police station at Naluspara East. and the entire day since afternoon till uh, night shraddha was with me and what had happened is afta was trying to call her back to back and because he was trying to call her uh, uh, back to back he even happened to record some voice messages and even call by saying if you don't come home i will suicide and that was one thing which had ideally got shraddha confused because she wanted help and this guy was emotionally blackmailing her that if you do not return home i will kill myself the symptoms in the report began in late november which coincides with the fight godwin mentioned and just as godwin mentioned about aftab choking her the medical report includes quote neck pain nausea and difficulty in moving neck end quote now let me forewarn you all this so called evidence is merely coming up in a media trial it hasn't been vetted by the legal authorities however the media does play a huge role in unearthing evidence all i'm saying is take it with a grain of salt even what i'm saying despite having vetted everything i'm presenting you with i do still insist that you don't take my words as the gospel truth from the same aforementioned period an image of a bruised up shatha has surfaced you can find those on our instagram as well These signs of physical abuse weren't a surprise for her friends. Shraddha for a while had complained about Aftab's abusive and controlling nature. Several of her friends have come forward and acknowledged this fact. It is also reported that she was suffering from depression at this time. At the same time, there are also reports of Shraddha reciprocating the controlling attitude. Nobody other than Aftab can be blamed for the tragedy, but let's not sugarcoat it. If the reports are true, apparently both of them used to beat each other. Claims of lying and cheating were levied against both of them. Just to show you the extent of how much they controlled each other, they used to ask each other for their GPS location and photos of their surroundings just to see where they are. Yes, there was abuse, but there was clearly a toxic and icky dependency that compelled both of them to stay together. These were adults that were consensually together after all. One reason I suspect as to why Shraddha stayed in this relationship and Ashwara feel free to correct me or give me your input but you know you remember her childhood and my guess is that this is some form of repetition compulsion that stems from that broken household upbringing she had remember what i said she grew up in a broken household and kids of divorced and separated parents have a tendency to get into relationships that resemble that structure 
To make things worse, Shraddha's mother died in 2020 as well. The details are unclear, but clearly this was an extremely turbulent year for Shraddha and let's not forget COVID in 2020. Maybe Aftab was the only shoulder for her to rely on. By this point in the relationship, another source of turbulence seeped in. Fights over money became rampant. That was bound to happen with ever-changing jobs and ever-changing accommodations without parental support. And it happened again. They left their apartment and moved to another flat in Vasai in September of 2021. Now, this is the point in the story where this goes from your average toxic relationship to something way more sinister. Upon being under extreme stress for a prolonged time, both emotional and financial, the couple decided to spark things up. They wanted to reignite that passion they had for each other when they first met on Bumble. They wanted to escape from Vasai's everyday life. Clearly, they were millennials, and being millennials, they were into the most millennial thing to be into, backpacking. Now, I'm not one to shy away from a sporadic backpacking trip, but amidst a crisis, maybe not. Either way, in March of 2022, the couple embarked on a two-month-long backpacking trip across Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand, states known for their scenic mountainous treks in towns. I stumbled across Shraddha's Instagram and found pictures she has uploaded from her journey with Aftab. Her final post ever is a picture of her at a cafe called Garden Cafe in Chogan, Himachal Pradesh. She's sitting at a table covered with a checkered dining sheet with her bike helmet placed on it. The post is captioned, exploring more and more every passing day, end quote. Attentively, she is gazing at a travel book about Europe, possibly dreaming about all the future adventures and trips she has yet to fulfill. Little did she know that this was the last trip she would ever set forth on. Sometime on this trip of theirs, the couple decided to ditch everything they had and move to Delhi together. This was a radical move, especially because the apartment they had just rented had a lease that lasted until August. Then why waste losing the security deposit and breaking your lease? No one knows yet. Whatever happened on that backpacking wanderlust journey, the couple felt an urgent need to leave it all and start afresh. On May 15, 2022, just a few months ago, Shraddha Walkar and Aftab Punawala moved into a one-room set in Delhi's Mehroli in the Chhatarpur Pahadi area. They lived on the first floor of this classically congested building. Chhatarpur in general is a cramped area that attracts a vast variety of inhabitants, young students and families alike. The landlord of this new accommodation was aware that a couple was moving into his flat. So did her friends. They knew that she had moved to Delhi with Aftab. And even Vikas Walkar, her dad was eventually informed of this move. Need I say it, he disapproved and legitimately stopped talking to his daughter. Now, ever since they moved to Delhi, Shraddha's communication with her friends significantly changed. Initially, she stopped talking to them over the phone altogether, but she was still DMing them and chatting via text. So even though that was peculiar to them, it wasn't glaringly suspicious. You and I have friends, Ashwara, that we maintain contact with primarily via Instagram DMs. I never suspect they are kidnapped or dead. <laughs> no. But by June, even that restricted mode of communication ceased entirely. This roused suspicion in one of Shraddha's friends who raised concern with her father. And whatever said and done, family is family. Despite their disagreements, her father was concerned for his daughter. 
Without wasting a second, he filed a missing persons report in September of this year with the Manikpur police in Maharashtra. Vikas didn't hold back. He was explicit in stating who she left with. He said she left with Aftab Poonawala and that he is somehow behind her switched-off phone. Even though her friends and family knew she was in Delhi, nobody knew the exact address. No one knew it was a small 1BHK flat in Mehroli. So the Mumbai police did due diligence and rather quickly traced Aftab's whereabouts in Delhi. They summoned him and he completely cooperated. Aftab was called to Mumbai twice and he told the police that he had broken up with Shraddha a while back and that he didn't maintain any contact with his ex. That was a bombshell revelation. Nobody knew they had broken up. At least Shraddha's friends didn't because Shraddha never told them. Mumbai police accepted this alibi because they had no reason to suspect him. They were, however, able to confirm that Shraddha's last known location was Delhi, and so they contacted their counterparts at the Delhi police to help with this investigation in October. The Delhi police tried to put the pieces of this puzzle back together with a new, fresh perspective. They took the father's statement again. In his deposition, Vikas notes that he spoke to her last year and that she came to Delhi with Aftab. The police then went to that first-floor apartment in Mehroli and picked up Aftab for interrogation. Aftab maintained his alibi. He was adamant in asserting that the couple had fought and that they haven't been together since. The Delhi police might have believed this until they got the testimony of his landlord. The landlord said he was very well aware of the existence of Shraddha, but that he hadn't seen her in a long time either. The discrepancy, though, was that when a few months ago Aftab's landlord prodded him about Shraddha's whereabouts, whatever timeline Aftab provided the landlord, it did not match the timeline he gave to Delhi police. This was enough evidence for the Delhi police to at least ramp up the interrogation. From a person of interest, Aftab had now turned into the primary suspect. Other discrepancies also came up. For example, Aftab claims to not be in contact with Shraddha after May 22nd. However, there is a bank transfer of 52,000 rupees from Shraddha's account to Aftab's on the 24th of May. How would the bank transfer happen if he wasn't in contact with her? His alibi was that he had her passwords and because she owed him money, he made that transfer. Jesus. Firstly, that in and of itself is illegal, that yes. is called theft. But this just goes to show he's weaving himself into circles of lies that sooner or later would collapse. And collapse, they did. The police used interrogation tactics, the pressure was intolerable, and Aftab finally broke character. He confessed. He confessed that he had strangled Shraddha to death on May 18th, just three days after moving to Delhi. He confessed of his gory plans of disposing her body by chopping it up into several pieces and throwing them in the forest. And you know the worst of all? The contents of his confession aren't even the worst thing. It was the way he confessed them. Sources say that while confessing, Aftab was as cool as a cucumber. Not a single tear, no flinching, no gasping. It was a confident confession. I've collated bits of this confession that the police have shared. Ashwara, can you read it for our audience? I often had to talk to someone over the phone. However, she would doubt my commitment to the relationship every time she caught me speaking over the phone. She used to get very angry. More than a week before the murder, I had made up my mind to kill Shraddha. Even on that day, Shraddha and I had a fight. I was determined to kill her when she suddenly became emotional and started crying. 
so I held back for later. I was scared as I knew that if I dumped the body somewhere, I might be caught. I browsed Google all night to search for ways to dispose of the body and not arouse any suspicion. I also searched the internet on what kind of chopper would I have to use to piece the body. I am fond of watching web series and serials on crime and it was while watching these shows that I came up with ideas on preserving the body parts and keeping Shraddha alive in the eyes of her family and friends. It was to prevent any doubts or suspicions on her whereabouts that I kept posting on Shraddha's Instagram profile after the murder. I did it all by myself. Jesus Christ Aran there is not a single moment in this confession where he seems even a yeah. tad bit guilty and I he think, almost seems proud to me I think you read it how he probably would have actually confessed it under actual interrogation Yeah in my mind that's exactly how he said it Aftab was taken into custody on November 11th for the murder of Shraddha Poonawala the investigation is still ongoing the murder's sensationalism has very little to do with the murder itself but more with the aftermath After killing Shraddha, Aftab allegedly dragged her body to the bathroom. For 2 days, her body just lay there as a whole decomposing. Obviously, the odor was unbearable. He had to hatch a plan to save himself. So after 48 hours of contemplation, he kicked off what he thought was a foolproof alibi. He bought tons and tons of acid and cleaning products like bleach which he used to clean the floor. He purchased a 19,000 rupee refrigerator. He bought a mini saw and put his culinary mastery to a perverse use, chopping her body into 35 pieces. Eviscerated the intestines and abdominal organs, minced them and got rid of them. Every day he got back from work after 7 and he'd wrap the pieces into plastic bags, take one back to the nearby Meheroli forest at 3 in the morning, and then he would carefully dispose the pieces off in the forest while separating the plastic. If you remember in Nitari, Surinder Kohli disposed of the pieces in the plastic bag, which is why they did not properly decompose. Apparently having taken inspiration from a show called Dexter, which full disclosure I haven't seen, Aftab devised his cunning and perverse plan which has now been foiled by the Delhi police. It was also found that it was Aftab himself logged into Shraddha's Instagram account chatting with her friends to cast the illusion that she was still alive and well when in fact she was very much dead. Some other details about Aftab himself emerged that make his character even more unlikable. Hey, listen, a murderer is almost never likable, but it is easier to have pity for some murderers versus others. Trust me, it was really hard to have any pity for Aftab. For example, Aftab re-downloaded the very same app Bumble right after murdering Shraddha. Oh my god. And not just downloaded, he talked to women and even began dating a clinical psychologist. He used to sleep with his new girlfriend in the very same house where his ex was in a fridge. Even during the confession when the cops asked him to respond to their questions in Hindi he deliberately answered back in English and when most criminals in his position would have nights filled with terror sources say he sleeps in his jail cell quite peacefully So Aran here we are with a proper proper confession but other than that what do we have which directly links him to Shraddha's murder This is probably the most important question right now and one question which prodded me to present this case in the first place where are we right now from a legal point of view 
the investigation is at a very critical stage. Unlike what the public and media portray it as, the investigation is far from decided. So here's what the police have. They have the confession, the validity of which I will get to soon. But apart from that, they have the recovered body parts. One police source had this to say, quote, about 12 body parts suspected to be human have been picked up by forensic experts for tests to confirm if they are the ones we are after. They will be matched with the DNA samples of her father, end quote. Police also have a sample of a severed head recovered all the way back in May. That too has been sent to forensics. They aren't sure if that belongs to her, but the tests will show us conclusively. And lastly, the police have successfully sought approval for a narco test from the court. The court said that the test must be conducted within five days and Aftab has consented to it. Keep in mind that narco tests aren't admissible in the court of law, but they can help the police find other clues. But talking about things that aren't admissible in the court, that brings me back to Aftab's initial confession to the police that seems to be all the rage right now. Everybody believes that that confession should be enough for him to be hanged. Okay, let's just take a back seat. Firstly, disclosure statements aren't a priority for the courts. They don't give it too much weight. But also, let's not set precedent for initial police confessions to be the end-all be-all for fair trials. If you remember the Gurugram school murder that we covered recently, the police coerced bus driver Ashok Kumar into giving a disclosure statement. What would have happened if the court treated that as the gospel of truth? Our legal system requires thorough evidence, and in the demand of speedy justice, the baby shouldn't be tossed out with the bathwater. So, this story is still developing. My instincts tell me Aftab will be found guilty once the Delhi police is done with its investigation. We will have an update for you once it is available. But for now, just remember, a rebellious soul lost her life even if the perpetrator hasn't been caught. But that doesn't mean you stop living life. Use Bumble, date people, be yourself, backpack, and be happy. But amidst all of that, remember to stay safe, stay crazy, and stay desi.